Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. The book of Joel in chapter 2 verse 28 He declared and He prophesied out about the Holy Spirit. He said this, He says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out My Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. I've been reading this amazing little book called Hashtag Leadership 101 by Pastor Phil Pringle who heads up the movement of C3. If you're unsure what C3 stands for, it stands for Christian City Church, and we're a movement, a global movement of 600 churches in over 64 countries. We've got a big family, and it's exciting to be a part of this family. And uh, Pastor Phil and, and Chris Pringle, they, they started the movement over 40, or about 40 years ago, and he's written this book called Leadership 101. And the very first chapter of this book, all about what it means to be a leader, is vision casting. It's called Vision Caster. And I really highly recommend this book, so get your hands on it. It will... It will revolutionize your world because the truth of the matter is every single one of us are leaders. This is not the bastion of leadership. You are leading, you are leading your life. And as you lead yourself well, God will give you other people to lead. As you you lead yourself well and make good decisions in your life, as you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, God's gonna give you people to lead. He's gonna increase your influence, but we are all leaders. We're all leaders. In fact, I sometimes wonder why we do this seating and, and this kind of setup for church. It's like, it can sometimes paint the picture or, or maybe say to us that we're, we're, not, we're not leaders, that we're, we're just here to receive. But no, I'm telling you, you've got a call on your life and your call is to be, make a spiritual difference in someone else's life. You're called to make a spiritual difference in someone's life. I don't, I don't care what you do, whether or not you're in full-time ministry or whether or not you're a, an accountant or an IT guy or whatever it is that you do, you're called to make a spiritual difference in someone's life. And when God gets upon your life, it's amazing how He brings the super to your natural. It's amazing how the very things that you're doing all of a sudden take on spiritual uh, significance. And uh, we've got some friends that, uh, re- he's really passionate about barbecue. Anyone passionate about barbecue? <laughs> Troy. <laughs> Troy's very passionate about barbecue. Uh, and Vince was kind of half passionate about barbecue. I think Troy's passion, we need to get around Troy because that passion should rub off. But I've got some friends in Nelson who are very passionate about barbecuing. They've created a business where they cater doing barbecuing. And, uh, and so, man, I just love the fact that when God gets on passions, things start to happen. Who would have thought that barbecuing can make a spiritual difference in someone's life? But it is. They put it out to the the community of Nelson. If any of you know somebody that's in need or a family that could be blessed by us turning up with our passion and and just cooking them a great meal, then we want to hear, we want to do this. And they've got local businesses that are providing the food for free. And they're turning up and giving up their weekend, cooking barbecue in their happy place, making a difference in someone's life. When God gets on your passions, He supercharges them. He puts the batteries in it and you start going for God. It doesn't, he will do it. You don't have to all of a sudden, you know, run away to the monastery or, 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 or you know, do these sorts of, you know, if God's calling you, do it. <laughs> but you don't have to, you know, God will get on where you're at right now. But in this book, Leadership 101, Phil Pringle says this, he says, visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. 
You must learn his language, he says. This is in the chapter about vision casting. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says that where there is no prophetic vision, the people will cast off restraint. It says, but blessed is he who keeps the law. When there's no prophetic vision, people will cast off restraint. Vision is very much closely related and connected to hope. The definition of hope is this, a desire accompanied by expectation or belief in fulfillment. You believe that something you desire is gonna come to pass and you look forward for it and you see it and you go towards it, you have hope that it's gonna happen. Come on, hope is essential to our lives thriving. Hope is essential to creativity. Hope is essential to our minds working properly, to mental health. And we're gonna get into that a little bit in a second. Without hope for a better day, we perish. A hope-filled vision for the future motivates us, inspires us, and disciplines us. Bex and I right now, we're saving to buy a home. We wanna get into our own home. We've got KiwiSaver, and we've kind of just hoped that KiwiSaver would finally get us there. But we've realised through talking with some friends, uh, some family members, that we actually need to be proactive in our budgeting, proactive in our, uh, in, our, in, resource, in our stewardship of our resources. And so we've set up a budget. In fact, I set up a whole bunch of new accounts online and shifted all uh, the money around according to this, this budget plan that we've got. And of course, Bex actually does our finances and she had no visibility on these accounts. And it was kind of, she's like, I can't see where our money's gone. It's freaking, <laughs> so, uh Make sure you make them joint accounts, people. Don't do that to your wife. It does not go well. But hey, come on. This is gonna affect the way we spend. We're setting budgets. It affects the way you work. All of a sudden, you wanna do overtime. You wanna be more diligent. If, you, if you're on some sort of bonus or commission system, you're thinking about how you can achieve that. You're engaged in your workplace. You're starting to watch home renovation shows. Are you kidding me? Like who does, all of a sudden it's like, man, sorry bro, I can't, I'm watching the block. It's like, who does that? You know, you're on Trade Me, looking at property. You're setting alerts on Trade Me for favorite searches in case their home comes up. You're talking about it. You're together talking about it. With others, you're talking about it because you've got a vision for something. You've got a vision for something. Your behaviour changes. Your focus changes because you have a vision for home ownership. And that vision inspires hope. You know a synonym of hope? This, I love this. A synonym of hope, according to the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, is look. A synonym for hope is look. Put that in a sentence. He looks to make a tidy profit. He's, he has gone into business and he's looking to make a tidy profit. He's hoping to make a tidy profit. Hope and look are synonyms because hope and vision are together. They're together. To look is to hope and to hope is to look because hope is inspired by what we see in our future. We see ourselves in our own home or crossing the finish line of a marathon or getting into that pair of jeans or getting that boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it might be, but you're hoping for that day. You see yourself there and you, it inspires hope, pushes you forward. Vision creates 
hope. That vision inspires us, it restrains us, it motivates us and changes us. It fulfills, it fills us with hope and hope propels us towards it becoming a reality. However, the opposite is true. The scripture in Proverbs is framed in the negative. Those without vision will perish. It's framed in the negative context. Without a vision for your life, you cast off restraint. You throw away the brakes of the car. Like I said, another version says that without vision we perish. I think about restraints and the first thing that comes to mind is a parent that's gone, still in the toddler stage with one more. <laughs> Got four, five children, four have gone through. We had four under five. So man, I know all about restraints and car seats and getting kids in and out of car seats and you know, but there's a reason why you've got this restraint for this child. It's there to protect them, to keep them safe, to get them to the destination. But without hope, without a vision, we, we cast off the restraint. Can you imagine this day and age? Okay, when I was a kid growing up, we got thrown in the back of the Kingswood, all right? And we just slipped around on the vinyl seats in our sleeping bags after church, all right? But you know, thank God we survived. But like today in this day and age, you don't do that, right? Who would put their child in a car seat and not strap them in? But we do this with our lives when it comes to vision and hope. When we don't have it, we become hopeless and we cast off restraint. We throw the brakes out of the car. Instead of hope motivating us, there's hopelessness, which is debilitating. Hopelessness having no expectation of good or success, incapable of redemption or improvement, leading one to despair. It's affecting the people around us. I guarantee in this room it's affecting people. New Zealand, New Zealanders are increasingly losing hope. What do you mean by that, Steve? Well, you only have to look at the suicide rate to see that we're a nation in need of hope. 579 people, 2016. 606 people, 2017. 668 people, 2018. Can you see a trend here? We have the highest teen suicide rate in the developed world by a long way by a long way. And when, if you look at the, the graphs, you can see that most of those countries, there might be 30, 40 countries listed, most of them, and it, and it tracks three, two, the year 2000, I believe the year 2010, the year 2015, that's when they've taken the statistics for most of the developed world, the site that I was looking at. Most of those nations have reduced their suicide rate over that period of time. New Zealand has dramatically increased dramatically increased. We, teen suicide, we have three times the rate of the United States, three times the rate of Australia, four times the rate of the United Kingdom, over four times the rate of France. Teens giving their lives, 15 to 19 year olds. And here's the scary thing, they're not the majority of suicide. The majority of suicide in this country is middle-aged men that have somehow lost hope. And I commend 
organisations that are facing this, and I commend organisations tackling mental health. You know, the likes of John Kewen and what he's doing, and who's the comedian? Um, Mike King and what he's doing. But now more than ever, we need hope. And we need a vision for our lives. And I'm not talking about a vision for a boyfriend or home ownership or fitting into some skinny jeans. We need a prophetic, Holy Spirit-inspired vision for our lives. That's what we need. Why? Because God's vision is deeply wired to our identity. The way God sees you is the real you. We have very, very skewed visions of ourselves. In fact, some of the people in this room have a better vision of you than you have of yourself. See a truer version of you than you see of yourself. But God sees the real you, the you he created. And when you come into a place where the Holy Spirit can prophetically speak into your life, he is gonna reveal who you really are who you really are, your identity is gonna come to light. The way God sees your future is gonna come through prophetic insight. The way that, uh, because here's the truth, your future is your best life. When Jesus said in John 10, 10, I come, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I come that you might have life and have it to its fullness in abundance. Jesus didn't come to steal, to rob, to take life from you, so that you would have no fun and no joy. He is the author of joy. He is the author of fun. Let me just give you a little, kids, close your ears. God invented sex. Isn't that just, you can, you can Google that. You can, you can <laughs> tweet it, hashtag it. It's true. God is the creator of all good things. It says every good thing that comes down comes to us comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing is from God. He is not anti-fun and anti-joy. He is the author of it. And he wants to lead you to a future that you have, it'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. God wants to show you your future. He wants you to see it. He wants you to see what he's got for you and the Holy Spirit is here to reveal it. Like I said, now more than ever, this nation needs hope. And I commend those that are on the front lines of this, but come on church, we are called because we have the Holy Spirit And listen to what it says in Romans 15, verse 13. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the, come on, say it, Holy Spirit, come on, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The language of the Holy Spirit is vision and prophecy and dreams, but there's a reason why he's got that vehicle. There's a reason why he wants to show you your identity, to bring you into the desire and the plan that God has for you, so that you might abound in hope. That we might be the most hope-filled people in this nation, in this world, that we carry something that's so exciting that we've been unplugged from this 
chasing after the carrot in front of us, a lifestyle that never satisfies, that never fulfills, that keeps us wanting, desiring, going after crackers that never sustain us when there's a bounty feast in Jesus and the Holy Spirit wants to draw you to the table to eat. And me as well. God is wanting to fill you with hope by believing. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In Judges 6 and 7, we find the story of Gideon. I preach the story of Gideon all the time. It's one of my go-to favorite Bible stories, characters around this subject of hope and identity. But Gideon was an Israelite, and the Israelites were completely oppressed by the, the nation of Midian. The Israelites had walked away from God, and the Midianites were oppressing them. It said that they were, Israelites were having to make their homes in the caves and the rocks. Every time they planted their crops or bred their livestock, the Midianites would come and wipe it out. Anyone feel like that in life? Like you're living in this cave, maybe it's depression or anxiety. And every time you try and make a step, it feels like things just get wiped out. One step forward and two steps back. Well, Gideon can relate. We find this is the situation. And Gideon is in a wine press beating wheat, which is not where you'd normally do that. You'd normally beat wheat up on the hill so the, the wind could blow the chaff away and the wheat would fall to the ground. But he was timid and afraid, so he's doing it in a wine press. Sometimes we're using the things that we've been given in the wrong places. God saw him. An angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. What did the angel of the Lord say? What did he do? The first thing he did is he spoke to his nearness. The first thing he did, he spoke to his nearness. The Lord is with you. Friend, you need to know today, it doesn't matter what you have done, how far you think you've run, the Lord is near you. And he's ready to go. He's ready to supercharge you into your future that he's got for you. The Lord is near you. Then he spoke to his identity, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> Gideon was the youngest in his family. His family was the weakest, was part of the weakest tribe of Israel, the Manasseh tribe. He was the lowest of the low, the most insignificant according to man's standards. Yet the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord, called him a mighty man of valor. He spoke to his true identity because he was a mighty man of valor. He was yet to live in that truth, but he was. That was truth. And he spoke to Gideon's purpose. I'm calling you to save Israel. I'm calling you to be the redeemer. And as Gideon stepped into this truth, he did. He redeemed, he redeemed the nation of Israel. What a crazy story it is. But inspired hope by revealing identity and purpose. That's what happened. Gideon went from hopelessness in the, in the wine press. He went from hope, a hopeless situation where he doubted God and thought, can I, can I, will this ever change? To leading the people of Israel free and beating back the Midianites and setting them up for the future that God had for them. This young man, what's God got in store for you as the Holy Spirit comes and reveals the truth of your future? The Holy Spirit wants to inspire hope by revealing identity and purpose. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. 
In the New Testament, we have one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus. You find his story as when Jesus met him in Matthew 9. In Matthew 9, you come across, you see Jesus come across this tax collector sitting in a tax booth, collecting tax. Now let's just say he's not Mr. Popular. Because if you're collecting tax, that means you're working for the oppressors. You're working for the people that are oppressing Israel. See, Israel was under Roman rule. And because they're under Roman rule, uh, the Roman was censuring them and taxing them heavily for the Roman advancement. So Rome was taxing these nations that they occupied and controlled heavily so that they could advance their kingdom, their empire. And so if you're an Israelite collecting tax, you ain't a friend of everybody. You're profiteering from the tyranny. And here he is sitting in this tax booth, making a bit of coin, not making any friends, but making some money. And Jesus comes along. (laughs) And after an encounter with Jesus, Jesus says, come on, Matthew, I've got more for you, buddy. I've got a future for you. He didn't say all of that, but he said, come follow me. Come, come with me. And Matthew did, he left the tax booth. That night, Jesus dined with him. He repented and he became a disciple of Jesus. And now we have the gospel of Matthew. You wouldn't know about the Magi without the gospel of Matthew. We would not be singing, we three kings of all. You wouldn't be able to sing that without the gospel of Matthew. It's the only place it's mentioned. But seriously, (laughs) there are other things. Look, his his recount of the Sermon on the Mount is the most beautiful recount of the Gospels. It's beautiful. All the amount of of Jesus' words that he captured for you and for me so that we might have the truth of God's, of Jesus' first most amazing sermon that he preached. Matthew wrote that stuff down. Come on, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't know the genealogy. There's a whole Jewish Jewish bunch of Jewish people. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But he tracked the genealogy of Jesus back to David. He, in his, in his, in his uh, gospel, he um, made note of or referenced 130 Old Testament scriptures. He made sure that people knew that Jesus was an, a, a Jewish man called to be the Messiah. He made sure they knew that this was the one prophesied, that he is the Messiah. And a whole bunch, I imagine, bunches of people in that time came to Christ because of Matthew's gospel. Reaching out and saying, it has been fulfilled through Jesus. And now today we have it in our, in our book as well. He could have stayed as a tax collector in a tax booth. But instead he said yes to Jesus. And we're all better off for it. What's God got on the other side of you receiving a prophetic vision for your life? Hmm. Imagine if he ignored the opportunity. C.S. Lewis says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, C.S. Lewis states. And God wants you to get a vision for your life and abound in hope, prophetic vision. Some of us have received them. 
Some of you have received prophecies and visions from God and it feels like it's tarrying and not coming to pass and you wonder, will it ever? And I remember for myself being in this position of receiving over some time and some years prophetic gifts that I would plant and pastor a church and it felt like it was like a million miles away. And I let go of that vision. And I remember one, one day uh, I was working and I was listening to a podcast about running, of all things. And uh, the guy getting interviewed was an ultra marathon runner and he was young and he was really good. And because he was really good, he was getting endorsed and flown all over the world to run these races. And so the guy that was interviewing him said, so tell us about your schedule for the year. And he said, I'm going here, going there, going there. And the guy said, man, you're not, you're not mucking around. You're, you're doing a lot. And he goes, yeah, man, I don't wanna waste my life. I wanna make the most of every opportunity that I have. Who knows how long I can do this for? And those words, I don't wanna waste my life, hit me. Even those moments where you just get hit up the backside of the head and it cracks open the soul. You take a deep look. That was a moment. So I pulled the car over, got out my computer, and I was just pondering and then quite cracked open by God. I wrote, Don't waste your life. What are the visions you've received for your life? What are the prophecies God's spoken over your life? What are your desires? What kind of father do you want to be? husband you want to be? What do you want your life to count for? When you're face to face with Jesus, on that great day, the Bible says, will you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Like Paul, you've run your race to obtain the prize, you've finished it. All that God has called you to do, you've been faithful. And in that time and in that place, you'll realize the impact of that faithfulness. Those people that have been internally, eternally impacted by your obedience. There's no greater, there'll be no greater moment. The day where you see people with you, with Jesus, forever, because of your faithfulness and your obedience. It matters so much, doesn't it? calling you to make a spiritual difference in the lives of somebody else. He wants you to abound in hope. He wants to call you into the journey. He wants to reveal identity, purpose. On August the 4th, 2015, less than two years after that, don't waste your life moment. Received a vision from the Lord on a rock overlooking a city. It's the point we're living in the Coromandel, part of the C3 church there. And sitting on this rock with Jesus overlooking this city. And he stands up, and so I stand up, and he hands me a set of keys and says, come on, let's go. Giving you the keys to the city. We head it down. And that was the prophetic vision that for a lot of other 
connecting the dots, but that city was Wellington. Here we are, called to the city. It was a prophetic vision. December of 2015, another vision, four churches, the way that God showed us four churches. He wants to plant four churches in the city. All C3 churches in Wellington. That's the prophetic vision for us as a church, you and for me. And there's other things, but come on, vision inspires hope. And hope is an anchor. I mean, you can take it to the bank when you have the Word of God, the Word from God. Hebrews 6.19, we have the certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God Himself. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still a vision waits, it's appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, it will surely come. It will not delay. Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that in which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Come on, the language of the Holy Spirit as prophetic visions and dreams. The Holy Spirit desires to reveal Jesus, reveal you, and reveal God's purpose for you. The Holy Spirit desires to fill you with hope that propels you forward into that vision.